You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Welcome back to another episode of the Best Practices Show, where we take a look at the best business practices from the best practices and the best minds all over in dentistry. And today is no exception. I have got an incredible rock star in the world of dentistry, and I got to know this guy two years ago, Drew McDonald. And today we're going to be talking about the necessity of CBCT and MRI imaging in today's orthodontic diagnosis and treatment planning. It truly is one of the hottest topics ever with what I consider one of the up and coming rock stars in this great uh, conversation and profession. And Drew, great to have you on, brother. Thanks for being on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I, I know uh, just good to see you again this way. I know I can't, I hope to see you in person again, but yeah. I, uh, I know you and I were talking earlier just that this is kind of today is the 16th of March is kind of the anniversary of what even started all of, of what you've done for, for dentistry here, Kirk. And, you know, I know that was a bad day for us as dentists and, you know, we all ended up kind of having to shut it down for a little bit, but I think you pretty much rescued a lot of people's psyches and, uh, you know, mental health there for a little, for a little while and ongoing just with what you put together. Um, you know, I, I know just the people that I've met since and got to listen to lecture and, Obviously, getting to hang out with you a couple times since uh, none of that would have happened if if some of the bad things didn't happen first. So you made you made something that was terrible for dentistry and a lot of our lives something that was a whole lot easier. So thank you so much, Kurt. Hey, it's my pleasure. And and you know, in all sincerity, like you and I, as we were chatting, you were like, "Hey, this is like two years ago." I was like, "Oh." I must have buried that pretty heavy in my memory or either the trauma of it, because the truth of it was, is Drew, I needed this. I needed to talk to people more than anything. I went to a really, really bad place with my own mental health. And I, I had a panic attack. Like I had a full out panic attack and you guys, I needed all of you. And I didn't know you. And actually Jim Otten had said, he's like, Hey Kirk, we got to get this kid on uh, Drew. And I'm like, who is he? He's He's fantastic. And so I got to know you. I didn't realize you didn't know uh, Becca Bacow and you guys are now working together. Tracy Wynn. It was like all these rock stars started emerging. And it was really cool because this profession is so noble. That's what 
Bill Robbins kept reminding me, he's like, no, this is a great profession. In 40 years of practicing, it's good to hang around with somebody like that because he's, he's very calming. If anything, it was like fireside chats with Bill Robbins every day. It was easier yeah. to listen to Bill than it was to watch the news. So um, it was a good, it was a, there was a lot of good that came out of it. So it was good. But um, yeah, absolutely. No, it's a, a lot of learning too. I mean, shit, I, I learned so much from everybody that you had on the program. And like I said, I, I appreciate everything you put together. That's a lot of work. And um, anyway, it's great to be back and hanging out. Yeah, it's so great. And I'm going to have you back again and again and again. And I just got you to voluntold yourself for an orthodontic stomach here, here at Actel. So it's funny how that works. But uh, we'll, we'll get into that later. But Drew, today, you know, um, one of the many topics we're going to cover is the imaging aspect of things. And so you sent over that note, like, I think we should talk about the necessity of CBCT and MRI imaging in today's orthodontic diagnosis or treatment plan. Now, let's, I always like to start, number one, let's do two things, if it's okay. I want people to know know who you are. So we have a lot of dental students listening. I want them to know who Drew McDonald is. And then I also, after that, let's go into the why before the how. So who are you first? Yeah. So my name's Drew McDonald. I'm an orthodontist private practice in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, you know, I went to Creighton Dental School for, uh, for my, my dental education, DDS. And then I went on after that to UMKC uh, for my orthodontic education. So and a lot of what I do uh, in my practice is very focused on TMJ and airway based, uh, you know, kind of beyond just the teeth orthodontic kind of things that we're that we're doing. And uh, really what got me into that was was not just the dental school things I learned. Quite honestly, dental school education was just the tip of, of kind of some curiosities for me. Yeah. And at the end of all that, that's where I started, you know, kind of pursuing other CEs, especially the airway side and that's where kind of Becca and a few other people and Jeff Rouse uh, all really started making a lot of sense to me as an orthodontist because I was seeing those airway patients every day in my chair. And I just didn't know to look for it before I knew those guys. Um, and then back to, you know, onto the bigger things that I look a lot at and, and what I've kind of talked a lot on this program about is the jaw joint aspect. And I know a lot of people think, you know, that jaw joint patients are, you know, a certain breed of patients that maybe we don't want to be seeing. But but what I've found and what Dr. Mark Piper and Dr. Jim McKee and, you know, some of those guys that have just been huge influences on me on the joint side, what their truth that they really showed me was just how much involved the joints are in growth. Mm -hmm. And in young kids that show up in my orthodontic chair with growth issues, that we can't just treat it like it's a genetic problem. We got to look at it as it's a this is this is coming from somewhere and the joints, the airway, they are such a, a part of why these patients are orthodontic patients. Yeah. And so, you know, the to the, the what we're going to talk about today, obviously, is how to even recognize those patients. You got to you got to do some imaging. You got to do some homework to be able to see what's under the surface. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, how to treat them. And, yeah. and it helps such a bigger level. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? You didn't know I was going to ask you this, but, and I didn't even know this, but I did some homework on you. So Jim Houghton's like, you should ask Drew, like he was a pretty amazing baseball player. So you, I, you've never talked oh. to him. You're such a <laughs> humble guy. So it, you were pretty good at baseball. Like, weren't you? I, I was okay. I, I keep forgetting about that, that season of life for me. You were that okay. My... That's not true. You were really good at baseball. Yeah. Tell us the story. Well, yeah. So grew up in Tucson, Arizona. I played baseball my entire life. I was a catcher. Uh, I was drafted out of high school by the Seattle Mariners. Wow. Um, at that point, I had kind of had an arm injury towards the end of my high school senior year. And I got drafted a little later than I 
wanted to, and I was kind of pissed about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, uh, anyway, I had a, a scholarship to the University of Arizona at that moment for baseball, and they had been uh, just to the College World Series the year before, and I kind of was pissed enough to where I was like, screw it, I'm not signing this contract. I'm going to go back to school and get paid more whenever I get done with, with mm-hmm. school kind of thing. Well, the you know, best laid plans ended up with me getting hurt again. And arm was, uh, I ended up, you know, kind of finishing up baseball after college. I didn't go on and play anymore. Uh, but it's the best thing that ever happened because I never would have gone to dental school, met my wife. Uh, all the good things that have happened came because baseball didn't work out. Yeah, so that's I, very I, cool. It, yeah. it all worked out. I did not know that about you. I did not know. How cool is that? Yeah, it just, I mean, shoot, it's 15 years ago at this yeah. point. I'm sitting here going, damn, that was a lifetime. But my knees still tell me about it. I, <laughs> I, I can't walk up and down my stairs without waking up my kids at night. Yeah. Uh, anyway. That, That's so cool. I, that is so cool. So now um, let's go into the why behind this. You know, and I have so many questions on this whole thing. And it's funny you brought up Jim McKee because he's fun to have on here. Like Jim McKee, no, we're going to pick on, and I'm going to make Jim listen to this. So you, and he's a mutual friend. So Hold on tight if you guys are listening. So I joke with Jim. Jim was one of the first people I met. And Jim deals with some of the most difficult cases in all of Chicago. He's crazy busy. And he helped me early in my career when I was speaking. He picked me up in the car and I was so nervous. And he's like, kid, just breathe in. You'll be fine. And so I joke with him that, like, I don't even know if he's a dentist because his website is terrible. He does, like, it's, you can't find him anywhere. And he's like crazy busy. And he also gets those patients that we joke about and go, no, those are the crazy patients. Jim's like, no way. Like everyone says that these people have complex problems. You just need to understand them. And he's built an entire career of understanding what we don't know. And that's part of what we're going down this path in this whole airway conversation, right? Drew, even an ortho, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, for sure. It's the, it's the, what didn't we know and what drives us crazy uh, practitioner wise. I mean, that's what drove me into doing all of what we're going to talk about today, which is, you know, getting to the heart of the real problem, not just chasing it at the teeth level. So, yeah. you know, back to Jim though, um, you know, he kind of similar moment with me, uh, we were at the, the then Piper McKee study club and Mark put that together. Jim was, uh, you know, obviously start or involved as well. And, and obviously, or I was just the new guy. I was the, the, the one orthodontist in the room who was sort of curious because I kept running into these orthognathic surgery patients that I had done their, their treatment. And then you see them start to relapse. And I'm going, why is that happening? The best answer I've got is this is idiopathic. What? What is that? That means we don't know. And so, you know, Jim kind of, the first day I was there, um, I had some very typical orthodontic comments that I could tell maybe made some people be like, who invited this guy? Like, what the hell? And so anyway, Jim, uh, that night, he kind of took me aside and was kind of like, hey, I can see you're you're interested in this stuff. Like, can we, you know, kind of be a little bit more. And, and from that moment, you know, Jim became a very big mentor for me on a lot of what's happened next, which is, you know, he's really kind of guided me through, you know, thought processes of what I'm looking at. He's really helped me develop a lot of lecture content. He's just a great mentor. I mean, yeah. he's just a, a guy regardless. Yeah. And that's what uh, Jim said to you, but he called me right after that. And he told me what he really said to you. He said, <laughs> 
young Skywalker, the force is strong with you is what he really said. And so um, we all knew that when we got a chance. And, in that, and that's how we, get, we got together when we were putting together this conference is, uh, you know, Otten, Jim, who's just a dear friend of mine. He's like, no, I mean, once you meet Drew, you'll see. He's like, he's like truly this kid. This kid's got a lot of potential as a great leader, great thinker. And then we had you on again and again and again. And as you guys will see today, um, you're changing the world. I, I joke, but this is not a joke. I tell you and Becca, every time I talk to you, you guys are changing the world. You really are. It's, it goes way beyond, you know, the joints and like the palate and all that kind of stuff. I mean, people, this is, this is a big conversation. I feel like we're only on the tip of it. You know, we're only beginning to understand what we don't know. And now, you know, as we, we dive deeper, I think we can only learn more. And um, today we're going to be talking about the imaging. And so let's go back to this. Can I ask you, Drew, like, let's talk about the why. You know, when you talk about, like, imaging, let's let's start with the big why behind the CBCT and our MRI imaging and why that's so important. Yeah, so so kind of back to where I was going there, with which is that, you know, a lot of times uh, we run into problems as orthodontists with a patient with, you know, a certain type of, uh, you know, we're trying to accomplish this and we're running into walls. We're just running into walls. And unfortunately, a lot of the handicap of some of the orthodontic education that, that we got, and I went to a very progressive residency, I will say, I, UMKC was was very cutting edge on the airway side of things. And, um, but at the end of the day, you know, you like I said, the, the biggest thing of the why for me on what we're talking about with imaging is that it's the truth. <laughs> you can't fake that. It's right there in front of you in the in the cold black mirror that you're looking at on that X-ray or that MRI. And ultimately, it tells your patients the truth. But but for me, whenever I started going down the road of, OK, let's see what's under the surface. Let's see why this patient isn't responding the way that I anticipated that really shed a lot of light on, you know, what are the true problems here? And, you know, whenever we see these kids that, that we did expansion on in, in phase one, and all of a sudden they come back for phase two and they look like they were never expanded because they've relapsed so much. And then we start looking like Becca will talk about is, well, there's an airway issue. There's a tongue issue under the surface this whole time. And I, I joke and I, I like Game of Thrones analogies, but what's dead never died there. <laughs> Essentially, the, uh, you know, the same damn thing that got to them in your ortho chair in the first place is what reared back up and it's causing them to relapse. Yeah. And the other unpleasant conversations that you get to have with patients when that happens is, well, I thought this was going to stay. <laughs> what it would and what did why didn't it? And it starts to look like you as the doctor didn't do your job. Yeah. Well, no, if you did your job at the front end and diagnosed and said, hey, we need to take care of not just the teeth, but these issues to keep this stable, then you really did your job and you're in the clear as a doctor. So, yeah. so anyway. And, and can I ask you about this too, because I'm going to totally screw this up. And, you know, Jeff Rouse has said this on the show and Jeff, I'm sorry if I butcher this too. He's like, we got to be careful about what we know for sure. And he shared mm -hmm. on our show, even my treatment planning process has changed. I never like make big promises. I tell patients, we're going to do this phase. We're going to get as close as we can. And then we're going to evaluate that clearing where we're at. And then we go again. And do you see that, you know, people are going to be living longer. Palettes change. I mean, I could show you my nostrils and that's not what this show is about, but I'm my third time through ortho and it's changing 
it's changing my face. And I'm grateful because I can breathe more now because I know more. It's almost dangerous that you know more because then you see more. But like your perspective on how we treat, would you agree with that? We can't make too many big promises in treatment as we talk to patients. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that that's a lot of what the imaging and seeing it beforehand tells you, like, what what are the limitations here? Right. Are we are we going to treat this patient to ideal? Is it possible to treat them to ideal? Or ultimately, are we going to look at some sort of compromise because we don't want to push something beyond where it should go? And and again, I just I, I totally agree with what Jeff's saying. Just, you know, we only know what we know now. And it's going to evolve. And and right now in dentistry, the biggest evolving part of this profession is on the imaging side. I mean, I think we're in a huge revolution of how we're going to do dentistry, um, where everything's going to be in 3D. And people are going to routinely do MRIs, uh, not just as, you know, TMJ specialists. And in my world, I think I'm one of the only orthodont or only a few orthodontists that do it. But it's going to be widespread. Yeah. And honestly, it's it gives so much value to the patient. It, we treat them to the highest standard of care possible instead of like limiting what we can do. Yeah. But ultimately, again, it, it says, what are the limitations? Where where should we go? Where shouldn't we go? And and ultimately, how far can we take this before we need to reassess? Yeah. And, and you're in a unique position. So technology has changed so much just in the last couple of years. So take us into the specifics of what you see in imaging. Now, let's also speak to this. There are some dentists that are listening to this that say, Drew, I get it. But like, I don't know. Are you telling me to go just purchase a CBCT? I don't know if I have the money for that. So help me help us all in that space. So what are we looking at as far as images? And then where do I start if I want to go in the direction you're talking about? Yeah. So I I think, you know, where I started and what kind of led me down this path was I started with the typical ortho images, which is a pano and a lateral set. And, you know, a lot of things that I was starting to notice, I did, I was very fortunate to buy an office with a very old CBCT, but it was a very small field. Just if you ever need it for an impacted canine type of situation, uh, I would use it like that back when I first started. Um, but what I started to notice was on those rare cases that I would take the CBCT and kind of see the impacted canine, but also see the nose at the same time, I was going, eh, this things are running together here a little bit. We're seeing you know, nasal breathing issues, we're seeing narrow palates together, we're seeing this whole kind of continuum that there's a lot of research supporting uh, in 3D. And again, it's, I, it, and then you start showing patients that and they go, oh yeah, I can't breathe through my nose. Yeah. Um, I've never done very well. And then we go, okay, well, this is part of your problem. So back to kind of, as I started to tiptoe into the imaging world, it was you know, verifying, basically, I, I started kind of looking at my 2D x-rays and then looking at the 3D and saying, well, I can kind of see this on the 2D, like on a, a lateral set, you can see adenoids clear as day, you can see tonsils clear as day. Yeah. Um, so you don't necessarily have to be totally in the 3D world at this moment um, to be able to start looking for the things that we should be looking for. I mean, on a pano, you can see turbinates clear as day on, on a lot of patients and, and see noses really well. And, and also the biggest thing, ENC joints. So just in our everyday, what you take as a general dentist, what you take as an orthodontist is, you know, those images are still very valuable if you know where to look besides just the, the pearly white things in this little area right here yeah. uh, in terms of the teeth. So I, that was kind of my initial deep dive or diving into it. 
And then I started saying, okay, um, maybe I should be doing this on a few more patients because I'm starting to see maybe this is part of their problem. But I was recognizing, you know, surface issues like narrow palates and things that, that then I go, well, maybe I should see if there's something causing this under the surface. And then at that point, you show the patient and they go, yeah, let's, let's follow up on that ENT referral. I never thought as a dentist, I'd be writing as many ENT referrals and chiropractic referrals and TMJ stuff that's uh, never thought of as part of your world, but it certainly is. Yeah. And it comes up all the time. So, yeah. Can I, can you go back to that too? Because you hear this all the time. You're privy to a lot of excellent education and that's a really important thing, what you said. So just go back to it. So let's say I'm a young dentist, like Drew, easy to say for you, like it is really hard in my town to build a community of like-minded. I wish I had like even a chiropractor that would understand that, or, you know, can you speak to that? Like, what would you say to somebody when they because you do get those roadblocks. People say that to you. Like, what do you say? Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I will say even in, in, in Albuquerque is not a huge city. We're about 700,000 uh, people and, you know, there's limited providers here. Sometimes you have to go outside of your, your area. Right. But the first thing you should do is, is be talking to the people in your area and saying, hey, I'm seeing this. And ultimately, I'd like to start working together for patients but we need to make sure we're, you know, I, I want to make sure that you kind of know why I'm sending that patient. And that's back to one of the most valuable pieces of having imaging behind it is I could go to, you know, the ENTs and say, hey, here's these pictures of this patient's nose. Uh, can you please, I mean, this is helpful for you to diagnose and make a plan. And I'm going to send these on every patient that I send you to. Is this helpful? And, and what do you see? Yeah. And I talked with one ENT in particular here initially, and they're like, well, I've never, you know, routinely had those in front of me on, on these patients, but now I see it. And so then you start to, the imaging side really did start to open up other people's eyes as to, okay, well, that's not just, you know, wishy-washy, that's hard and fast right in front of you right. with that image. And so what do we do now? Instead of guessing or saying, let's watch it, like, hey, we, we can see the enemy, let's go for it. Yeah. So it's, um. so anyway, yeah. that's, you got to build, you got to work a little bit on certain people, but um, it's worth the effort to, to do. All right. So let's go into the specifics of each one of those. So first, let's do CBCT. What are your mm -hmm. favorite things that you look at or preferences? And then we'll go to MRI. So like when you're looking at it, what are you looking at? What are your favorite things to see? Yeah. So on the ortho side, I, I, I especially feel like CBCT is, is certainly useful for us on so many levels. Um, my workflow is very much that I'm looking at the jaw joints first because I want to make sure that that foundation that I'm building the house on out here at the teeth and jaw level is going to be stable. And that's one of the biggest things that Mark Piper, Jim McKee, and, and everyone talk about is, you know, you can win the teeth war out here or, or win the teeth battle out here, but, but lose the rest of the war significantly. And if those joints are not stable or if there's instability there, it's a good idea to know about that before you jump into treatment and start trying to help people uh, grow or start trying to change occlusion on somebody uh, without understanding what's under the surface there. Um, back to, you know, the joints on the CBCT, the CBCT shows you, you know, not only is there active breakdown or some sort of, of you know, problem with the degenerative issue there, but it also is a very good clue as to this, you know, how is this patient growing? If they've got short little condyles or ramuses, 
that you can really see on a 3D x-ray there. Or essentially, if you also are able to measure and, and kind of see the volume of those condyles, which you can on a CBCT, and that they're not growing right or correctly, it starts to point towards, hey, maybe there's not just a hard tissue issue here on the CBCT, but also we need to look at the MRI under the surface and see what's going on with that soft tissue. Yeah. And so, again, the, the, the CBCT allows you to really see what's going on there uh, with those patients rather than just guessing and saying, oh, it's just genetic. Yeah. That they're class two because it's genetic. Right. Um, so I, I know that's kind of the first line that I'm looking at for any patient is their joints. Yeah. Um, and can I ask you about, part, the, wait, so go, go back ahead. to, so you have another part of the CBCT that you're looking at? So uh, I oh, got several. Okay. Well, because <laughs> well, I, 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 I wish I had two hours with you because I have so many questions. Because oh, no, no. you get to look at these. What do most people get wrong when they're looking at a CBCT? Like you get to see that part. What, what, what do most dentists get wrong when they're looking at CBCT imaging? So I think back to the joints, my biggest wish for everybody, because I, I have a lot of patients that come to me with the CBCT and essentially the, um, you know, the, 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 the patients just bitten together in their centric occlusion or their maximum intercuspation instead of a fully seated you know, joint position. And so the difference there is that if you have somebody bite together in their normal bite, that can disguise a joint issue very well because their teeth fit together and it might make their jaw move differently to get there, but it basically doesn't tell the truth of what's really happening in that joint. If you seat that jaw joint for your CBCT, that's going to tell you the truth. I mean, you're going to see if there's a loss of space in that joint. You're going to see, is that joint sitting up to the medial or lateral versus, you know, nicely centered. And those are all clues again as to what's happening. Um, So again, back to your question, I, I think the biggest thing we could all do better is take CBCTs in the right position. Yeah. And, and that's much more enlightening as to our patient's true condition. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to see in CBCT, some of your favorite observations before we move oh, to the for sure. No, I, I would, I joke with Becca and all the airway people. I'm like, I was way more airway before I became the joint guy. So you guys can do it too. Um, no. So it's, I mean, that was, my biggest thing, like I said, coming out of residency, I had some very progressive uh, instructors that were very kind of looking at the airway differently, talking about it. Uh, I did a lot of expansion in my residency. Um, and obviously, there's decades of, of research that says why expansion is good for nasal breathing. But ultimately, you know, what I started to see, you know, as I start, as I do the rest of my diagnosis, I'm looking at noses really hard. I'm looking at pharyngeal airways very tough, very significantly because. I feel in ortho, we have the biggest opportunity to make a change in that part of someone's life. It, the expansion we do here, it expand, it makes for a better nasal base. You hit on that yourself. Um, I did a, you know, I, I do a lot of MSC skeletal expanders in my office. And that's what I hear to a T is like, I didn't realize how much I couldn't breathe in my nose before yeah. I did this. But when you look at the nose, when you're measuring it on the CBCT, you can say like, hey, this is where we should be. This is where we're at. And you show a patient that like, hey, here's normal, here's here's you. They go, okay, how do we change that? And ultimately people start saying yes to a lot more treatment things that are bigger. And, you know, for dentists, it's nice because then you can charge more, of course. But at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, it really does open your eyes on the airway front, especially as to the health benefits that we can have for these patients yeah. and that, that we can really create a better 
systemic situation for them, not just a teeth situation out here. So. Yeah. And as an orthodontic patient, like you just brought to light, like you don't really realize how your nasal breathing goes. It's a boiled frog syndrome. It's like slowly going away to the point where you don't even notice it. And then you're, you're like, wow, I can't even, I can't even breathe. And, and you yeah. compensate the other way. And you're like, wait, I should be breathing out of my nose. And then when you get back to nasal breathing, you're like, holy moly. And you'll appreciate this. One time I went to Seattle study club meeting. This is years ago. Ralph's gives me a piece of tape. He's like, put this over your lips. I'm like, I'm already sleeping with a CPAP. He's like, I promise you. I'm like, dude, I could die. Like, you, And I showed <laughs> Sarah and Sarah's like, I don't know if you should put that on your lips. And since that day, I've never slept without some type of tape on my lips and I get better sleep. Like, yeah. it's amazing how much better that works, right? Yeah, absolutely. I I, I use the Somnifix strips because they fit around my beard, but um, <laughs> the... Uh, the I noticed the difference too. I mean, it was about two years ago um, that I really started focusing on this because I had I had to have jaw surgery. I was so class three, narrow, um, just a classic mouth breather, tongue tie patient. And essentially, you know, from then and from up until I was in my thirties and, and had jaw joint or sorry, uh, jaw surgical correction and a nasal septal plasty, I was like, wow, I can actually breathe through my nose. This is great. I'm a little stuffy today. Sorry, there's allergies out, but. But ultimately, it's like I lived my whole life like this. I couldn't smell coffee. I couldn't do this, this, and the other. But ultimately, you know, I didn't know about that. I didn't know I needed septoplasty and all you know things done until I saw it on the CBCT. And I was like, damn, no wonder I can't breathe. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, with all that, yeah, it's a, but anyway, I do the lip tape too. And if I ever leave it somewhere, like if I'm on a trip and I leave it back, I'm like, I slept like shit last night. What the hell just happened? Oh, yeah. I was probably breathing through my mouth. It's a lifelong battle. It's, yeah, um, absolutely. I've gone down to the front desk and some of the hotels and just gotten, you know, any kind of tape that they have. I've thought about using yeah. duct tape, but I've some never had tape. to. <laughs> yeah. Just keep those lips closed. No, let's go to MRI imaging. Give us some of your favorite things as you observe those images in diagnosing and treatment, diagnosing and treatment planning. Yeah. So the, um, you know, the MRI side, this is what I always, the questions I get, if I'm out there speaking or showing, you know, cases of why the MRI, you know, is what it shows, the biggest question that I always get next is, okay, that's great. We saw it. We, that patient does have this displacement. How does it change your treatment plan? And so for me, what I've put together, and I've done over 900 MRIs at my office over the last three years now at this point, and it's a huge part of my practice, but essentially what I put together is a whole flow chart that pertains to ortho and, and restorative and airway, really. But basically on if this on the MRI, do this. And if this on the MRI, do this. And kind of most importantly, what the if you see this is, is how bad is the distance placed and also how much inflammation is present. And that's the biggest thing that I think people start to look or, or ask why the MRI is, is important they say, yeah, we know that patient clicks and pops already from our exam. Why do we need an MRI to confirm that? And my biggest answer to that is, well, the MRI is going to tell you just how bad it is in there and also how stable is this joint going to be? Because there's, we've all encountered those patients that click and pop and they've never had pain and their, their occlusion is pretty stable and everything's good out here. But then you also see the patient where they're like, hey, I've been clicking and popping, it's getting worse and now I'm developing pain and all of that. And so the MRI really, again, lets you see that enemy under the surface and says, okay, you've got this pattern of disc displacement where that disc is not only forward, but out. 
and now this medial pole of your condyle is not covered and you're wearing away on that thing day and night as you eat, sleep, grind your teeth, whatever you're doing, you wouldn't have known which way the disc is displaced until you take the image. You would just know that there was some displacement. And the other big thing, back to the inflammatory side, you don't know how inflamed that joint is until you see it on the MRI. And there are some people you're like, damn, we're fighting a forest fire here. There is no way this splint is going to be good for you uh, or the, the right, you know, kind of matchup or, you know, you really need to, we need to manage this this way before we get into to, to ortho. And for some patients, it says, wow, you really do need, you know, a surgical procedure like what Dr. Mark Piper and Brian Shaw and everybody are doing uh, or, or, you know, pioneered and, and do. And it changes people's lives, not just from pain, but back to the ortho implication if you get a disc back over the top of that condylar growth site, or if you get a fat pad graft into that joint on a young kid that's growing, that doesn't have a good joint, uh, they regrow, they, they grow. And those class twos start to not, they, they grow back and it's awesome. And I track it all the time with the imaging I do. And it's, it tells you like, are we getting it? Or are we not? Yeah. Cause I hate guessing. And I think you get that, uh, from, from our conversation here. Yeah, it's so funny as you're talking, like a lot of the dots are connecting for me. My first couple experiences at the Dawson Academy and even going through uh, seminar one, I can't tell you the number of instructors that use the words managing forces. Like we can get all this perfect, but we got to manage forces. And at first I didn't know what that meant. And they're like, oh, you'll find out quickly because those forces, a lot of times clinicians, whether they be restorative dentists, orthodontists, they don't think about the force management long-term. And again, I'll go back to this. People are going to be living longer, you know, than ever. And another thing that I've learned from great clinicians is everything we do is temporary, you know, like, you know, so uh, I think you're spot on through with what you're saying. So cool. No, Well, it's a, like I said, it's, it it tells the truth of what's going on and it also helps us predict the future a little bit. But as you mentioned, it's not, nothing we do is forever. And that's the other piece too, is like the MRI side of things tells me, and the patient, like, you've got an issue. And this is not something that resolves by me fixing your bite out here. We're going to have to manage this the rest of your life to have a shot at stability. And ultimately, you know, that disc displacement didn't just reattach itself. So you're, you need to every night be protecting this thing with the splint as a retainer. Or It sets realistic expectations is what I'm trying to say. And, and ultimately, you know, the imaging side just really does show the truth of, of what's happening. And patients start to own their problems too at that point. It's it's not your issue. It's I'm here to help you with your issue and and you need to be in charge of this too, kind of thing to the patients. So. Yeah. And let's take the clinician side of this. And so if you're listening, you're a young clinician, you know how this works. The more you know, the more you can help the patient, a true diagnosis. Now I'm gonna totally screw this thing up and I don't know who said it, but I gotta give it right. There are many treatment plans, but there's only one true diagnosis. Now you're gonna Tell me what that means to you. Is that true and orthodontic diagnosis too, you know? Oh yeah. No, that's the, uh, that's, you can, you can do many different ways of correcting in class two, expanding. There's just every different type of tool. There's variations, whatever you need. But at the end of the day, it's what are you trying to achieve and why? And that's what I tell patients all the time is I don't want you to just know what I'm doing. I want you to know and understand why. And that's where the diagnosis part of the joints, the airway, I didn't even get into alveolar bone stuff, but man, the CBCT is helpful for knowing, is this patient going to have a lot of recession after I try and you know move these teeth and do all that? 
or do they need some SFOT like what George Mandelaris and, and my periodontist here in Albuquerque, we do these things all the time. But it's, it's the image that showed the truth of where treatment needed to go. And the diagnosis under the surface led us to say, this is what we need to do. And so, again, I, I feel like you can have many different plans to change the same thing, but you have to diagnose the case and you have to get that part right first. And sadly, I feel like in a lot of ortho right now, there's a pushback on imaging that there shouldn't be. And some people get thrown under the bus for taking CBCTs on patients, uh, you know, as part of their ortho you know, workup, uh, because a lot of people just don't want to, they, they think it's over irradiating a patient. And, in this day and age, the CBCT machines that I, the one that I have and the ones that are coming out that you would buy if you're buying a new one, they have less radiation than, I mean, if you take a, a Pano and a Ceph as an orthodontic, as a, on a 2D thing, my CBCT currently has less radiation out of it that I can see joints, airway, everything on the surface on than those two old images I used to take. And so, I mean, at what level do you feel comfortable going in blind on a case is kind of what I ask those patients or not those patients, but doctors where they're like, you know, you, you shouldn't, why are you taking the CBCT? I'm going, well, I, I want to know everything about this patient. I don't, I, I want to know what's going to screw up my nice result. I want to know what I need to be encompassing with my treatment. And ultimately I want to show the patient too. Yeah. So can you get that off your pano and lateral stuff? If you can, good for you but I need this level to be able to operate at the standard care I want to provide. Um, and so again, I, I, on the CBCT level, I feel very passionate about it, especially that it helps so much on the diagnosis. The MRI is a huge part of the diagnosis and should be in the future of orthodontics. Um, and it's just, it's going to change the way we operate and it, it, it already is. Yeah, I love this. I have like four more questions that I know we don't get that much time. I know you got to run. Gosh darn it. We should have planned a two-hour show. But because uh, this is a really important topic and there's so many layers to this. And we're going to have you back again and again and again. But uh, any last thoughts you have on this, Drew, when it comes to the necessity of imaging in uh, orthodontic diagnosis and treatment? Yeah. So, I, I mean, the biggest, the biggest part of the future that I see is that this is going to lead the way to us being better professionals, uh, better clinicians for our patients and seeing our patients for what they truly are underneath the surface is, is going to be the future of the way we operate. Um, one of the biggest, most important things I think we all need to embrace in, in dentistry, not just ortho, is how much we can be part of such the bigger picture for our patients and that the imaging under the surface allows us to see those things that we can be a bigger part of. Yeah. And so on that note, we all need to be very confident in reading CBCTs. And if you're not, that, that's where, again, the OMR side of things is so important to the development of, of the future of dentistry. The radiologists are gonna, they're gonna rule the world right now. I say this because everything that we are now looking at in three dimensions, the radiologists are interpreting this, they're guiding, you know, for me, I'm so lucky that I have a former orthodontist as my radiologist that I work with because he knows how these things play out together. And ultimately, whenever we, if we take the image, we need to have it read and we need to look for other pathologies, of course, but where I think the future of the radiology side in, in our profession is going to go is that radiologists are going are to be helping us make good decisions on our treatment. Yeah. You know, again, 
pointing towards those airway issues, pointing towards joint issues, helping us know like, hey, we need to be addressing these things. This is a concern if you're looking to do this type of treatment. Uh, Daniel Tamimi is somebody that I listen to a lot. I, I enjoy just just looking at you know the diagnosis part, but also making you know extrapolations as to well, how does it affect your treatment? If this patient has this condition on the surface, what's it going to do to your treatment plan? And so ultimately, I feel like the radiology world is going to define the future of ortho. Of ortho. It's going to define the future of dentistry because all those correlations we see at the surface have that under the, under the surface. And if we start getting some papers out there and other things supporting what we're seeing and, and the radiology is supporting what we need to do orth, you know, orthodontically, dentistry-wise, man, it's gonna change the future of this sport. Yeah. And it already is. So I'm, I'm pumped, especially, I hate to, I mean, I, I keep saying this, the imaging guides the treatment. The people who are behind the imaging side, which is the radiologist, are really who's gonna be guiding the future of dentistry. Yeah. Well, and I would argue you, your thought process and a lot of the great thinkers in dentistry are going to be guiding this process. And you talk about changing the sport. My friend, you are changing the sport and you're giving people a better life. So I'm so grateful to have you on. And uh, uh, I want people to, uh, number one, uh, if you guys are listening, if you have a study club and you have not had Drew speak to your study club, what are you thinking? Like, you got to have Drew speak to your study club. And then I also want people to follow you on social media. I'm terrible at it, but like you've got a really great thing that you provide. Can you, if I'm listening or watching, how do I learn more about what you're up to? How do I follow you? What do I do? Yeah. So on, uh, you know, on social media, it's uh, Dr. Drew McDonald on, on my Instagram handle. Um, I try and post as much clinically, like in regard to the up-to-date kind of newer technologies that I'm using on the ortho side. So you'll get to see a lot of MRI, CBCT, uh, 3D superimposition technologies, like basically just I'm trying to push the future as much as I can. Um, but I, I usually share that kind of on Instagram side. Uh, more importantly, you know, things that I'm starting to get involved with back to Dr. Jim McKee um, himself, myself, uh, Dr. Seth Atkins, who's in Texas, um, and then Dr. Kurt Ringhofer from Chicago. Um, we're, we're actually starting to do kind of some teaching on this uh, together, and we're starting it with what's called the Chicago Study Club. Um, so, you know, if you're interested in joints, airway, all this together, um, that's where you can kind of find us doing, you know, two, twice a year seminars on these things. The other big thing I would say is that if you're interested in just learning about imaging in general and the joints in general, Dr. Mark Piper's Piper education is, is amazing. You cannot go wrong going there. That's where I've, he's taught me so much uh, in terms of just, you know, the the imaging, the MRI, the CBCT, what does it mean for treatment? And obviously what he does or, or used to do before he retired, which is how do we help these patients surgically? Um, and, and how do you help them from all these other angles? Those two, I mean, Dr. Mark Piper is amazing. Uh, what we're doing together with Dr. Jim McKee is going to be a, a huge new thing. I'm so excited about it. So um, you know, Chicago Study Club is is the one that we're doing together. But again, Piper Education has such great courses uh, that I'd highly, highly recommend. Yeah. Well, how about this? I'll have you guys take it to Milwaukee too. I'll just volunteer you for that. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah. Jim. Jim was great. He was, like I said, he was always there for me at the beginning of my stages. So riding around with Jim, I learned a lot. I really learned a lot. So 
Drew, this is awesome, buddy. I know you got to run, but I just can't thank you enough for being on. And uh, we're going to have you back again and again and again. So stick around. Always say goodbye to everybody else. But uh, thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show. Hey, if you enjoyed today, like I know you did, just do us a favor. Hit the share button. Share this episode with your friends. uh, And then keep sending us suggestions for things that you guys want to see. And if you really enjoyed today, do us a huge favor and give us a five-star review. Because what it helps us do is find other like-minded people like you. This is an amazing profession. It's a very noble profession. And uh, I love getting the chance to make your practice and your life better. So keep showing up and keep hanging out with us. So next time, until we see you next time or you hear from us next time, keep watching the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. There you have it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Best Practices Show. I hope you sure did enjoy it. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. We are always here for you. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you consume podcasts. And if you really enjoy it, you can leave a comment or a four or five star review. But until we see you next time, keep watching the Best Practices Show.